Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. For those of you I haven't met, I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here. And as Pastor Jonathan said, we are beginning a new sermon series called Storytime, looking at the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And I do keep on find myself saying that this is storytellers. Um, you may have seen the VH1 show from a few years back where musicians would go on, play a song, talk about the story behind the song, and it just makes me feel like I should deliver the sermons in like a rocking chair or something during this series. But I'm not going to do that. But it's story time, and we're looking at these parables. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus delivers parables. But each gospel writer tells the parables a little differently. So we're going to be looking at Matthew's parables here. So I'll begin with Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. I invite you to hear the word of God. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, we gather here so that we can see your kingdom more clearly, so we could see your kingdom of heaven breaking into this world. We gather here so that your scriptures, through the power of your Holy Spirit, can shape us and form us so we can go out from here and let more people see how you are working in their lives, how your kingdom is breaking into their lives, Lord. And Lord, we gather here because we love you, because we care about all you're doing in this world, and because we seek to come alongside your work. So shape us and form us. Grow us into your followers this morning, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we are looking at the parables of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. And specifically in Matthew's gospel. The parables are all a little different, but one thing that they have in common is that they're all trying to reveal the kingdom of God, or in Matthew, it's called the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus was living his earthly ministry, he was going around and doing these miracles. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. He was exerting authority and power over nature. He performed these miracles, but as he would do those miracles, he was also preaching. And he primarily preached through parables. What exactly is a parable? Specifically, what is a parable? And in the Bible, what is a parable? What is one of Jesus' parables? We know there's stories, but there's more to it than that. Because as Jesus was going around and as he was preaching, he was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, breaking into this world. That was the content of his preaching. But the closer you look at Jesus' words and his sermons and his preaching, what he proclaimed, there's two things you realize very quickly about the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to say kingdom of heaven from here on out, just so you know. 
Mark, Luke, John call it the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing, though. So if I slip up and say kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, I'm talking about the same basic thing here. But two things that we learn about the kingdom of heaven from Jesus' preaching. The first is that it's very, very important. In fact, it's one of those things that defines God's people in the world. The truth that the kingdom of heaven is actually breaking into this world. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about what happens after you die. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven breaking into this world now. And he's letting his followers know it is happening. The kingdom of heaven is important. It's this vision of the world where everything is made right. There are no poor people in the kingdom of heaven because everybody has what they need. Justice is lived out perfectly in the kingdom of heaven because God is the one who is ruling. In the kingdom of heaven, there's nobody who is pushed aside or ignored. It's this picture of human beings treating each other the way God always intended. So the kingdom of heaven, it is important. And what sets Christians apart is the proclamation of the resurrection, but also the truth that the kingdom of heaven is breaking into this world and that we are aware of that. The second thing we learn, though, through Jesus' teachings and his proclamations and his declarations of the kingdom of heaven is that the kingdom of heaven is very difficult to understand and to describe and to explain to people. Even just now, I started saying all these things that the kingdom of heaven is, this picture of a world made right, of there being no poor people, of sickness being gone. That's part of it too. But none of us knows what that looks like. That's not the world that we live in. We live in this fallen, broken world. So trying to describe the kingdom of heaven to people, trying to explain it, it's difficult. It so quickly becomes vague and it feels abstract, and you just wonder, what does this actually mean for somebody's life today? What does this actually mean for people who are living now? Does it really matter? That's the challenge that Jesus faced as he's preaching the kingdom of heaven to people. So one of the main ways that Jesus does this is through parables. The word parable is a Greek term, and its literal meaning is to throw alongside. So you can think of it this way. Jesus takes the kingdom of heaven, this difficult to understand concept, and he throws alongside it a story, the parable. And the parable is not meant to explain or to define the kingdom of heaven, but it's meant to show us an aspect of it, a glimpse of it. It reveals one piece of the puzzle of the kingdom of heaven so that Jesus' followers can get a little clearer picture of what it is God is doing. So that's what a parable is. It's the story Jesus tells to unlock the kingdom of heaven, to give people a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. Oftentimes, the parables have to do with day-to-day -day things, a family matter. You might be familiar with the parable of the prodigal son. There's a family issue in that one. A number of them have family stuff happening. Or a lot of them have to do with farming. It's an agrarian culture that Jesus is in. So there's farming pictures that he paints with words for us. 
And now the big problem with parables is the kingdom of heaven is difficult to describe. And sometimes these parables are really difficult to understand and interpret because they're stories. And because they're stories from 2,000 years ago in a culture that is very different than ours. So take, for instance, the parable that I read just now, the parable of the mustard seed. At its most basic form, this parable seems very simple. There's a small little seed, and when it's planted in a field, it grows into the greatest of shrubs. It becomes a tree, and birds dwell in it. It's pretty basic on the surface, but dig a little deeper, and you wonder, what exactly does this mean? How does this actually connect to somebody's life today? What does this mean that this is what the kingdom of heaven is? With the parable of the mustard seed, there's actually at least three different ways you could interpret this parable. Three different interpretations that could make sense. The first of these is basically the most basic one that I said. The small thing becomes great. Now, have any of you seen a mustard seed before? You have? Well, I have one here. I can't see it really. Can you? No? Can you, Jim? <laughs> I have a few more. I won't do that, though. But there's Stephanie. These things are tiny. In fact, in the first service, I threw this at somebody, and he didn't even realize it hit him. This mustard seed is small. It is tiny. And Jesus does emphasize that it grows up to be great. It becomes the greatest of all the other shrubs. What was once small and insignificant becomes important, becomes significant. That could be the way the kingdom of heaven works in the world here. And it fits how Jesus works in the Gospels. Think of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus takes just a few loaves of bread, a few fish, and feeds over 5,000 people with them. The small things, the insignificant things become important. They become sufficient. They become enough. They become a miracle, really. So if this were the interpretation that we we're going to adopt, then you'd walk away from this parable saying, I need to pay attention to the insignificant things in life. There could be small areas in your life, a hobby that you've taken up, an activity that you've begun, a relationship at work, a friendship at work that seem insignificant, that seems small, but God is going to use those to give you a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. God's going to grow that into something great. That's a way you can interpret this parable, and it works. It fits. But there's another way you can interpret this parable that also seems to work. And for this one, you have to recall your knowledge of ancient botany, which I'm sure you all are so familiar with. But in the Greco-Roman world, when you looked at um, lists of plants, and you looked at what would be planted in a field or a garden, mustard is never part of that list. Mustard is the wrong type of plant to be planted in someone's field or garden. It's the wrong plant. Because the thing with mustard is, it's essentially a weed. It'll grow rapidly, as Jesus says. It grows, and it expands, and it becomes great, and it'll take over everything else. And the other thing is, in Jesus' culture, in the world he lived in, mustard grew naturally all over the place. 
It's not something that you would grow. So Jesus' parable basically is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a weed. It's the wrong type of plant. It's not the plant that you would point to, that you would be excited about. It's the one you wanted to get rid of so that it didn't choke off all your other plants. So in this understanding of the parable, I think we'd look at it and realize the, the plant is actually a symbol for people. Maybe Jesus is talking about Gentiles, people that the Jewish people didn't expect God to be working through. But all of a sudden, through them, God is working. The wrong type of plant and the wrong type of people, God is at work in them. And this actually fits God's character in the Bible very well. Think back to all the stories in the Bible of the youngest person becoming the most powerful, Joseph in Egypt. He's the second to youngest of his brothers, but he's the one that they all end up bowing down to. He becomes the most powerful. Think of King David, who is the youngest of all of his brothers, and yet he's the one that God chooses to rule over Israel when the prophet Samuel shows up. Or think about the people that Jesus spent his time with, tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, the wrong type of people. And yet Jesus is working there in their midst. So you can interpret the parable of the mustard seed in that way as well. That God is there working with the wrong types of people. So if that's your interpretation that you would adopt for this, then you'd be asking yourself, who are people that I've discarded? Who are people that I've set aside? People that I tend to ignore or think they're wrong or isolate myself from. And rather than see them as enemies or see them as people that I need to go and to reach, view them as people where God is already at work in their lives. And how can that person teach you and bless you? That would be a way of interpreting this parable that also works just fine. But there's a third way too. A third possible interpretation here with this parable. And this one is that Jesus is pointing us to understand that there's a work of God that's taking place here. Now again, you're going to have to rely on your ancient botany knowledge here. But if you were to go back and look at lists of plants in the Greek language that Jesus gave this parable in, or that it was first written down in, you would notice that mustard is never classified under trees. The Greek word for trees never points to mustard plants. It's always a plant. It's an herb. It's a shrub. And then you notice really quickly, too, looking at the gospel here, if you look at it closely, the verbs change here. The mustard seed is planted, and it grows into the largest of shrubs, and then it becomes a tree. If you're in Jesus's culture hearing this for the first time, you know mustard does not become a tree. That's not what's supposed to happen here. That's not the natural progression of this seed. There's a work of God here. God has taken the mustard plant and turned it into something that it was never meant to be, something great, something grand, something where the birds dwell in its branches. This is a work of God. So in this interpretation, this parable is pointing us to the fact that we can put our best efforts in 
We can plant the mustard seed. It will grow into a great shrub. But in order for it to become a grand tree, God has to act. God has to work. Whatever it is we bring to the table, God has to take it, transform it, grow it into something greater than we could ever imagine. And this fits with what we know of God in the Bible also very well. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven a lot. He talks about its traits, its attributes, what it looks like. But one thing Jesus never does is tell his followers that they have to go build the kingdom. The kingdom is not ours to build. We're not the ones who lay the foundation and build it up. God is the one who builds the kingdom. We're the ones who point to the work God is doing. So this parable could be pointing us to the fact that ultimately the kingdom of heaven is a work of God. It's grand. It is great. And God is the one who will make it that. So we have three different interpretations here. We have door number one, door number two, door number three. And you could feel the pressure of having to choose. I mean, which one of these is correct? Which one of these is what the parable means? What does Jesus mean here in this parable? I think oftentimes when we read the Bible, we feel that pressure to come down with an answer, to make a choice, to say this is what it really means. But I think we have to set that kind of pressure aside. There's a poet named Billy Collins. And years ago, decades ago, he wrote a poem called Introduction to Poetry. I think he wrote it when he was frustrated with one of his classes on Introduction to Poetry. Um, Because when you read it, it's got kind of a snarky tone to it. But Billy Collins writes this. I ask them to take a poem and hold it up to the light like a color slide or press an ear against its hive. I say drop a mouse into a poem and watch him probe his way out, or walk inside the poem's room and feel the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. I'm going to read that last section there again. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. Too often, I think that's how we end up reading the Bible. We try to figure it out. We try to determine what does it really mean. We try to nail it down and pull what the real meaning is out of it. But the reality is, So many parts of the Bible just don't work that way, and especially the parables. The Bible isn't meant to just give us specific, clear answers to a series of problems in life. It's deeper than that. The Bible is meant to open up our imaginations, to help us see the world differently. We don't try to figure out what the Bible means. The Bible helps us interpret what the world means and what's happening in the world. It changes our perspective in the same way Billy Collins is talking about wanting his students to have almost a playful creativity with a poem, to try to live inside of those poems. The Bible pulls us into its world. So to figure out what it means, what the real meaning is, especially of a parable, we're missing the point. 
instead of trying to ask the question, what does this really mean? Whenever we come across a parable, we should be asking the question, how has the kingdom of heaven shown up in your life? The whole point of the parable isn't to explain or define the kingdom of heaven. It's to help you to see attributes of it so you can see it in your own life. So it can change the way you view your life. And through that perspective, there can be multiple different attributes of the kingdom of heaven in any individual parable. So with door number two, door number one, sorry, door number one, I forgot how to count. Door number one, door number two, and door number three, my answer is pick whichever one you like. They all can work. And there's probably other interpretations that would work also. And there might be one that works for you now, and in 10 years, a different interpretation is going to work. The point isn't to figure it out or have the right answer. The point is to see the kingdom of heaven in your life. So maybe the kingdom of heaven has shown up in your life through small, insignificant things growing into something that's important. And you've seen in that the world working correctly, and you've gotten a glimpse of God's intent for the world, and it's deepened your hope. Or maybe somebody that you never thought you would have a good friendship with, somebody that you never thought you could be in a relationship with, has been brought into your life, and you realize God is working through them to bless you. And it's deepened your hope. Or maybe you've had moments in your life where it just felt like your efforts weren't good enough, that things weren't adding up, but all of a sudden God did something to take your failed, flawed attempts and turn them into something that blessed others. Maybe that's how the kingdom of heaven has shown up in your life. The parable of the mustard seed is meant to open up our eyes to the kingdom of heaven, that we might see it, that our hope might be deepened. So I invite you to ponder that question this next week. How has the kingdom of heaven shown up in your life? And how can you point it to others? Please pray with me. Lord, we want to point out your kingdom to others, Lord. We want to help people see how you are at work. We want to help people to have hope that there is more to this life, that your kingdom truly is breaking in, that your resurrection is real, that it happened. And Lord that we live in that reality now. So through these stories that you told, open up our eyes. Help us to see you at work. Help us to see your kingdom. Help us to know that you are there in the midst of our lives. And Lord, as we move to take our offering now, we ask that you would use these gifts to make us a community that reveals to people who you are that reveals your kingdom to people, that gives people a glimpse of your kingdom. Help us to point to your kingdom for others, Lord, through these gifts and tithes. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Call 